Well, he has been described as a religious predator, a man of blood and a murderer, a man who made it his life's existence to his life's aim to get rid of the existence of Christians. In fact, he did everything in his power to oppose the spread of their message and and tried to succeed in eliminating them. Yet this was the very one whom Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, confronted and forgave in order that his life might be an example to the rest of the world of the depth of God's mercy and the breadth of God's patience. Indeed, the man known as Paul encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus and his life was never the same. He was a changed man. He confronted the unbelievable love and mercy of of God and his mission was drastically altered. And likewise, friends, if you have encountered the risen Jesus, then your life has been drastically altered as well. I want to invite you this morning to hear from this man. To hear the words of Paul himself found in the New Testament letter written to Timothy. So if you have a Bible, let me invite you to open up with me to the New Testament letter of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is a fairly short letter found near the end of the Bible. It's mixed with some other short letters, 1 and 2 Thessalonians and 1 and 2 Timothy and then and Titus. And if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app with you today, let me encourage you to, to take one from the pew rack around you. If you don't have a copy of this good book at home, then certainly take this book with you and, and we, we will replace it. If you're using the pew Bible, I think 1 Timothy is found on page 960. But 1 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy to instruct him in the faith, to instruct him on how to lead other believers who were living in Ephesus. And in this letter, in the opening verses of this letter, Paul recounts what has taken place in his own life. Describes himself as an apostle, meaning he was one who had seen the resurrected Jesus, his, his witness to the resurrected Jesus, different from others, And also one whom Jesus had called, whom Jesus had chosen to be one of the foundational leaders in the spread of the early church. And so as Paul is writing this letter, he recounts the incredible, overwhelming grace that God has shown him. The transformation that has taken place in his own life. From being a violent man who persecuted and killed Christians to being a proponent of the message of Christianity. And as he writes, he comes to verse 15. And let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's word. First Timothy chapter one, beginning in verse 15, Paul writes, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. This is Paul's way of saying here, listen to this. This is really important. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. 
Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we ask you now to guide us in understanding your word and rightly interpreting it and applying it that that you alone as the only God might be praised, that your name might be honored, that you might be glorified in us in this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, for the next few minutes this morning, I want us to see some very basic, some very foundational, some very central truths of Christianity. In fact, truths that stem, that arise directly out of the events that we remember and celebrate this week through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his subsequent resurrection from the dead. And the first of these truths that I want us to see on this Easter Sunday is that Jesus came to reveal God's love by saving sinners. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to to reveal God's love by saving sinners. You know, the word gospel can be used today, is used today, to refer to a number of things. It's used to refer to uh, a message that we might hear that, that appears to be good news. We might say that's gospel news. It's used to refer to a certain genre of music. It's used often to describe a a central truth or a central doctrine. It can be used to describe the the message or the teachings of a religious teacher. We know that Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, are described as the four Gospels. Well, Gospel means literally good news. And right here, what Paul is saying, what Paul wants to communicate to his readers, is that this is the Gospel, verse 15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In a nutshell, that is the heart of Christianity. That's the heart of the message of Jesus Christ. Conveys the mission of Jesus Christ, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now in the original language of the New Testament, that phrase literally reads, Christ Jesus came into the world sinners to save. He came into the world sinners to save. The the verb and the object are transposed. They're interchanged in an effort to emphasize both of them. Christ Jesus came into the world sinners to save. Or he came for the worst folks. He came for those who had transgressed, who had sinned against the Almighty God. I think we misunderstand this and miscommunicate it far too often, both in the church and even outside the church belief that is often conveyed and held that Jesus came for the good folks. He came for the the moral folks. He came for those that wanted to do the right thing. But no, Jesus in His own words, recorded in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, He says that He came to seek and to save the lost. He came after those who needed a shepherd. He came after those who needed a guide. He came after those who needed a Savior He came to redeem and to rescue those who needed to be redeemed and those who needed to be rescued. And Jesus could do this because Jesus is not of this world. Jesus is not of of this world. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a place that you were a bit uncomfortable. You felt like you were 
out of your element. You were not in your typical surroundings. You weren't with people that you know or people like you. You weren't in a place that interested you. And I found myself in a similar condition or situation for a few minutes yesterday afternoon. I was heading out to run an errand. And my lovely bride asked me if I would run an errand for her, if I would stop by and pick something up for her. And she asked if I would get some some makeup for her. She was about out of makeup. And, you know, after all, tomorrow is Easter Sunday. I said, sure, absolutely, honey. I would be honored to do that for you. I didn't say that. I should have said that. But I did say, I'll do it. So I went. And she sent me on my way. She sent me with two pieces of uh, some kind of makeup. And I was to go and to get both of these uh, just like what I was given. So I went. And I you know, look around. There's people everywhere. Everyone is out yesterday afternoon. And so I walk as quickly and discreetly as I can into the makeup store and never been in such a place. This is like a supermarket of makeup with bright lights. There is no hiding in the Ulta store. And so she has, has communicated to me that I can go in and that she thinks that her brand of makeup Bare Minerals or something like that is over on this side near the cash registers. And so I go in and I look. It's not there. Brands all around. She says, well, it's not there. It's probably in the front of the store somewhere. So I look. Well, it's not right in the front of the store. I finally found it. It's in the center of the store. And so now I think I'm on the right track. I'm trying to get in and out of here as quickly as I can. And so I begin to look around. And I know I have one piece that's a little flat box. And so I begin looking for things like that. I finally found the things like that, and I find the, the number, and the, the title, the shade that it is, and get that, think, okay, halfway there, I'm on my way, look around for the other thing I have, which is some kind of cylinder, tubular-like thing, and cannot find it. I look on this shelf, I look on this shelf, I look on this shelf, it's not there. Finally, I, I see it. I think I'm in, I'm in business here. I'm almost done. So I begin to look, and what do you know? There they're out of the one I need. They don't have the one I need in the right spot. And so I have to look around and try to find someone who can help me. But certainly, I, I want to accomplish this on my own. But I've come to a, a halt. I cannot do this. And so I finally find somebody who works there and ask her, say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. She says, okay, come right with me. She goes over there. She looks. It's not there. She opens several drawers. Cannot find it. Communicates to me, well, we're out of it. We don't have it. And so now I'm confronted with a decision, and she begins, you know, to show me on her hand. Well, there we have this shade and this shade. I'm thinking, come on. <laughs> she says, this one is close. It's just slightly lighter. So, so, you know, right there in the middle of the makeup store, I call Ashley and say, hey, this is what they have. They don't have what you're looking for. Oh, that's fine. I've had that before. That'll be fine. And so I'm in business again. I have what I need. I'm getting in line, ready to get out of here. And, of course, I'm behind the two slowest people in the checkout line, the lady in the front is concerned that her bill has not been rung up just right. It's only $6.38. I don't know what she found in the Ulta store for $6.38, but <laughs> she was going to make sure it was right. And then the person after her wanted to make sure that she had the coupon, and the coupon was getting applied in the appropriate way. So finally, after far too long in an environment that was not comfortable for me, I am leaving the makeup store. And as if that's not enough, they hand you some bright colored bag and trek across the parking lot. There's no hiding where I have been. And so in an effort to rediscover myself, I go to Lowe's for about half an hour and browse through 
the plumbing section. This was an environment that was unfamiliar to me. This was a territory that I could not identify with. And friends, likewise, when Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world, came to earth, He came to an environment that was not His. Sure, He created it, but He left His rightful place on high. He left His heavenly throne at the right side of the Father and came to dwell here. He came on a mission here. A mission to, grow, to go to the cross, to, to lay His life down that we might be forgiven of our sins. But unlike me, He, he didn't come and get embarrassed. He didn't come and and I hope nobody sees me. I want to get out of here as quickly and discreetly as possible. No, he, he came, and the Scriptures say that he, he dwelt among us. He came and took up residence on earth for 30-some-odd years to fix the predicament that we were in. You see, the Bible teaches that, that all of us were in a predicament because we had all sinned against The one and only Almighty God who is a just God and who is a holy God, who is a perfect God, who must punish sin, who cannot tolerate sin in His presence, who is the just and perfect judge. And there was no one on earth that could fix that predicament. There was no one on earth that could fix the problem that we were in so So the one and only God sent His one and only Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The eternal Son of God left His throne in heaven and came to live in humble circumstances among us, ultimately so that He could give His life for us. Defeating sin being raised by the power of God from the dead, conquering death itself so that we could live forever with Him. This is the best news for the worst sinners. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, Paul says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Church, the radical transformation that the murderer Saul underwent to become the missionary Paul declares to us today that no one on earth is beyond the reach of God's grace. No one on earth, no sinner, no one on earth, as long as they are on this earth, is beyond the reach of God's grace. I don't know why you are here this morning. I don't know if you're here because you wanted to make Grandma happy today. I don't know if you're here because it's tradition. I don't know if you're here because this is perhaps a periodic attempt, maybe an annual attempt to to earn God's approval or to earn God's favor. Well, the Bible is clear that no one can earn God's approval. No one can earn God's favor. No one can earn forgiveness. No one can earn eternal life because like Paul, we have all grossly sinned against God, grossly fallen short of God's perfect standard. Yet also, like Paul, none of us are beyond the reach of God's grace. None of us. None of us beyond the reach of God's love, of His grace that He has extended to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Elsewhere in Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Paul is 
there recounting his, his conversion. He's there describing the calling that God has given him. And he describes himself as a servant of the gospel, a servant of this message of salvation. And he describes himself as the least of all God's people. In essence, he says, I'm not even worthy to be identified with Christ. I'm not even worthy to be a servant of, of Jesus Christ. Yet in his mercy, in his grace, that is what God has called me to be. I don't, I don't know what you've experienced in your life. I don't know what you've done in your life. No doubt. Probably some things that you have done in life that you're quite ashamed of. I know that's certainly true of my own life. Maybe you've been a cheat. Maybe you've been a fraud. Maybe you've been unfaithful to your family. Maybe you've mistreated other people and you think today that there's no way that this message could be for me. There's no way that this message of salvation, there's no way Jesus came for someone like me. Sure, He he came for those who were on the right path. He came for those who, who wanted to do the right thing. He came for those who who were religious. And friends, no. Jesus came for you. He came for me. He came for every sinner, past, present, future, walks on this earth. Christ Jesus gave His life for you and for me. In His own words, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. In other words, it's those who recognize that they are sinners, those who recognize their flaws, those who recognize that they need a Savior. The cross of Jesus Christ declares that no one on earth is beyond God's God's grace, for the cross is the greatest display of God's mercy. The cross of Christ, the event that took place on that first Good Friday, is the greatest display of God's mercy. Not only God's mercy, but the greatest display of mercy in human history. You know, there's a lot of questioning and speculation and thinking about who God is and what He's like. There's a lot of misperceptions about about God. God is often misunderstood. God is a perfect God who's holy and just and righteous and eternal, but By His own declaration in His Word, He is a God who is gracious and compassionate. He's a God in Psalm 103, verses 8 and following, who is slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You see, on the cross, Jesus took the penalty and he took the punishment for our sin. For the worst of sinners, that we might be forgiven, that what was broken might be restored, what was lost might be redeemed, that that we might have eternal life in and through him. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul says, of whom I am the worst. And he goes on in verse 16. But he says, but for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. Why? 
as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul says, I didn't, I didn't deserve salvation. I did nothing to earn this, yet God displayed his tremendous mercy on my life so that other not yet believers would look at my life and they would see what God also wants for them. The reality, church, is that everyone who hears the message of the gospel, that everyone who hears the message of salvation and eternal life and forgiveness of sins in and through Jesus Christ is invited to receive that life in Christ. The very fact that we have an opportunity to receive eternal life reveals that God is a patient God. The opportunity to receive eternal life reveals God's patience. Reveals that He is a tremendously patient God, long-suffering, tarrying, that many would come to faith in Him. You see, Paul was not saved because of anything good in Paul. Chris was not saved because of anything good in Chris. If you know Jesus today, you were not saved because of anything good in, in you. But everyone who knows Jesus Christ, who has experienced reconciliation with God through the death of Jesus, has been saved because of something in him. Something in Christ. Something fantastic. Something good in Jesus Christ. The Word of God says right here in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 and following, that, that this God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, wants all people, wants all people, everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So friends, don't miss the reason for today. Miss the reason that we have Easter Sunday. Don't miss the reason that Christians are gathered on this morning here and all across the world. We have gathered because we need a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. And there is a Savior who has given His life for us that we might know Him, that we might live for Him, that we might experience true life in Him. I don't know what is on your mind today. I don't know what circumstances or experiences of life that you are dealing with. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. Based upon the truths of God's word, let me invite you today. That if your life is still all about you, then to get over yourself on Easter Sunday 2016. Get over yourself. Let me say what I mean by that. That sounds rather harsh. But there are two lies that Satan would love for us to believe. And the first is this, that we are not that bad. That we're pretty good. That we're doing all right. That we don't need this Jesus guy. That we don't need a a Savior. After all, we're, we're doing some good things. We're not doing anything that bad. We're taking care of those who are close to us. and In fact, we even, even give occasionally to charity. The truth is that based upon the Word of God, that's a lie. That is not true. Don't believe that lie. 
We are sinners who have fallen short of the standard of a perfect, holy, eternal God. We have transgressed His boundary. We have rebelled against Him. And we need somebody to do for us what we can never do on our own. And that's to restore us into right relationship with Him once again. And the second lie that Satan would love for us to believe, if we don't fall victim to that one, is that that we are not good enough. We are beyond the reach of God's love. That we are hopeless. That we've been too bad. That there is no hope for us. And friends, nothing could be further from the truth. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The best news for the worst sinners. The culture would love for us to to worship ourselves, to make life all about us. Don't you dare worship yourself. But on the other hand, don't you dare fail to believe that you are loved by the almighty eternal God and you are valuable in His sight both today and forevermore. So let's get over ourselves. Let's get over an, 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 an unhealthy view of ourselves. Thinking too much of ourselves or too little of ourselves. But let's never, ever, ever get over Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world. And Paul never got over Jesus Christ. In fact, as he's writing here and he's recounting the incredible grace of God that God has shown him, that he cannot believe that God would show him this measure of grace. And he just bursts into praising God. Verse 17, he says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Church, the one who gave his life for you and the one who gave his life for me and the one who defeated sin and the grave for us is the very same one who is Lord over all. Jesus is Lord over all. Not only is he savior, not only is he redeemer, not only is he rescuer, but he is the eternal son of God who is Lord over all. He reigns supreme. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. He is your creator. He is your sustainer day by day. And he is your redeemer through the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled in your place and in my place. The one and only God, Jesus, Lord over all gave himself to us and for us that we might know him and live forever with him. So have you received the gift of Christ? Have you received forgiveness of sins and salvation and eternal life in and through Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sin and embraced the Savior? Friends, there are many things that we could debate about this morning. There are even things from God's word that we might debate over this morning, what exactly they mean, and does this apply to us today, or is this reserved for a certain original context, but there is a truth that we cannot debate about today, that the Bible is 100% clear on. It is the central message of this text, it is the central message of God's Word, and it is that the one and only God offers salvation to every sinner. The one and only God who rules and reigns supreme, offers salvation to every single sinner. He is the God who gave His life for you, who gave His life for me so that we could have eternal life in Him, through faith in Him. He is the Savior who came and dwelt among us. And He is the Savior who was beaten and bruised 
He is the Lord who was bludgeoned and scourged. He is the Holy Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave His life for you and gave His life for me. And now, friends, He is calling us to live for Him. Let's get over ourselves and let's live for King Jesus. He rules and He reigns. He is sovereign. He is supreme. And He is Savior. And He calls us to know Him and to follow Him and to live for Him. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you are walking with Christ. I don't know if you know this Savior. If you do, let me encourage you to continue living your life, giving your life like Paul to make His name great, to honor Him, to bring honor and glory to the eternal, invisible, only God. And if you don't know this one, let me invite you, let me urge you, let me plead with you based upon the message of this word to turn to Jesus today, to repent of your sin and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was clear. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way to be restored into right relationship with God, and that is through faith in Jesus. But it is a way that is offered to all of us. Let me plead with you. Let me urge you. Be reconciled to God today. Repent of sin and embrace the Savior. Embrace Jesus as Lord who reigns over all. And in just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to respond to the truths of God's word. We're going to declare our allegiance to Christ as believers in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ, I'd love to talk with you about that. I'd love to pray with you about that. Know that I'm available during this time to do that. And not only during this time, but even after the service. Many others would love to talk with you about following Christ. But friends, let's follow Christ. Let's live for Him. Let's embrace the risen Savior as our Lord and as our Savior, both this day and forevermore. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank You for the message of the cross, and we thank you for the message of Easter. We thank you for your tremendous love and mercy that you have shown us through the message of the gospel. Father, we thank you that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like us. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is patient with us, a God who has paid the price for our sin so as to be just and to punish sin, but to be the one who justifies us, declaring us innocent, declaring us righteous, pardoning our sin before you. Father, I pray that you would hear our prayers now, that you would hear our praise now, that we would respond to your grace. Lead us as your people to be faithful in following after you. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen.